Let's move beyond your comfort zone and into your genius zone because it's time to tap into the higher wisdom within you, your higher genius. I'm your host, Christy Turley, author of the book, The Intuition-Led Business, serial entrepreneur and intuitive intelligence expert. Imagine the possibilities when you can make better decisions and create practical and sustainable solutions using the power of your intuition, your higher genius. This is the Higher Genius Podcast. How do you know when it's time to throw in the towel and reinvent yourself, especially if you've been taught winners never quit? Abby has been a competitive swimmer for most of her life, and she now coaches swimmers online, 100% online. Sometimes she goes in person, but it is such a fascinating thing how she has integrated um, this innovative technology to be able to take measurements of her of her students and then coach them on how to improve their techniques. And today, I hope as entrepreneurs and business owners, we can listen to this her stories that she she tells and be able to listen to it almost as if it's a metaphor for business and for life because there's a lot that we can learn from her. And um, anyway, I'm super excited to dive in. All right, Abby, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. So Abby, tell us a little bit about how you got started in your business. Yeah. So uh, I own a swimming uh, coaching company. Uh, I've swam my whole life. I am uh, 29, but I've been swimming since I was four years old. Uh, So it's been a 25-year career. Um, And yeah, absolutely love the sport of swimming. And never really knew that I would end up like owning a coaching company, but just because swimming has always been my passion, I kind of had a sense that I would be somehow involved in the swimming world when I was in the profession, basically retired from my own swimming career and into the professional world. Um, so when I was in college, I swam in college. Um, I was actually thinking about going to physical therapy school. Uh, I really enjoyed a couple of people that I worked with, which is some extraneous um, swimming injuries that I had through my career. And I wanted to help other swimmers swim faster. Um, And coincidingly with working at a physical therapy clinic and studying exercise science, uh, I decided that I should maybe start part-time coaching um, and very quickly realized that my love for the sport was still there and the burning passion um, was still inside of me. Uh, But this time it was on the other side of the pool deck versus being the swimmer that was in the water. So Instead of going to physical therapy school, I got a swim coaching job a little bit against what my parents really thought I should be doing. Um, And it's turned into a lot of different jobs. Ended up um, in this past May, I started my own business uh, based out of Louisville, Kentucky. And I basically work with swimmers all around the world. And I travel a lot. And I basically help swimmers through technique instruction get faster. And it's it's wild to think that it's it's my job. But I, I really do. I love every day when I go to work. That's awesome. So many people would kill to do their passion for their, for their business. Some people are already there, but that's great. Mm -hmm. And, um, what I find so fascinating about what you do is that you have this swim coaching business, but it's a hundred percent virtual. Tell us a little bit about that. How do you even do that? Yeah. So I actually started in a really traditional coaching capacity. I had um, assistant coaching jobs. I worked at um, Athens Bulldog Swim Club, uh, Lakeside Swim Team, Nashville Aquatic Club. Um, But this kind of like breed into a very non-traditional role happened when I worked at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs. Um, I did that right after I graduated grad school. And I basically worked in their high performance department, um, which was specifically subsetted for national team athletes and junior national team athletes. Basically anyone who USA Swimming identified might make the next Olympic team. Um, And my mentor was a biomechanist. Um, He's still there. He's very world renowned. Uh, And he basically took me under his wing and was like, this is what I do. This is how I think of the sport. This is my role. And I was like, this is crazy. This is so interesting. Like you're, you're a coach, but you're a very niche coach and you have a place and you have a role, but it's not like you're, you know, always coaching swimmers on a daily basis, you know, up and down the pool kind of thing. You're, you're more a little bit hands off. And so when I finished working there, I kind of set in the back of my brain that I wanted to figure out how to do that, but with not necessarily having a, you know, a certain country as my platform, I wanted to be able to be available for anybody around the world. Um, and technology allows you to do that. So I went through some traditional jobs with a little bit non-traditional components and um, 
eventually I kind of morphed into a role where I was 50% in person, but 50% online. And so I was coaching people from afar, but then also working on a day-to-day basis with swimmers in Florida. Uh, and that was my first broach into what it's like to actually work online and how you would do it and what the marketing requires and how you'd set things up. And, uh, yeah, from that, I was like, you know what, I think I could try to be hundred percent virtual. Um, and that's what I did. I, I co-owned a sports performance company for three years, uh, and built that up and it was a sports performance company for a bunch of different sports. And then most recently in May, I decided, well, you know what? Swimming really has always been my passion. I want to just work with swimmers. Uh, and so I started my own business and yeah, it's just strictly through the internet, through Skype, through video analysis, um, and just having communication with people. So you actually have the technology to track body movements in the water mm-hmm. and critique people's form. And I mean, tell us a little bit about that. That is so innovative. Yeah. So what's actually really interesting is when you look at swimming as a sport compared to other on land sports, the technology for swimming just because of the water is further behind. Um, but with that being said, because technology is progressing, there's still stuff out there to be able to do exactly what we're saying. And so with my business, I partnered with a Canadian company that's called Tritonware. And basically what Tritonware is, is a very small wearable tracker that swimmers wear under their caps on the back of their head. Um, it has a bunch of different, um, ways to measure different angles and movements and pressure and dynamics that it actually identifies what stroke a swimmer is swimming, what speed they're swimming at, how efficient they're actually swimming at that speed. Um, And it gives you this overall picture of what a swimmer is actually doing, even if you're not standing there. Um, And so your swimmers can use it on a daily basis. Um, They could use it every other day if they wanted to, but they have an app that tracks the swimmers over time and you can do comparative analysis and all these other things uh, to really see where they're at. Um, So it's, I'm thankful for companies like that because companies like that allow me to then come in with like the coaching input and more of the artistic side to interpret the data and say, Hey, um, you're doing this really well or yesterday on this 200, uh, it didn't look so great. So let's talk about it and let's understand, understand why. That's amazing. It truly is amazing how Mm -hmm. far technology has come. Like who would have thought that you could have a virtual swimming coach in your cap yeah. <laughs> and it's then, wild. you know, however many thousands of miles away, someone can look at that data and say, you know, this mm. is how you could change or tweak how you're doing things. It's amazing. So yeah, very cool. So, um, you know, obviously you're a very elite athlete. Um, you know, before starting coaching, you tried out for the Olympics. Um, what are some of the, the mindsets or the habits that um, you've taken from being this very, very top athlete Mm -hmm. and running and starting a business? Yeah. Um, So I think sports in general uh, teach people a lot of great things um, as far as like time management is concerned or even like teamwork, um, making sure that you set schedules and routines. Uh, I think for me, some of the biggest things that I've taken away is I'm a very very type A person. I feel like I'm fairly organized, like I love a good planner and dates and times. It's how I, how I work. Um, and that's all that stuff has kind of directly transferred from coaching and practice schedules and meet schedules to like a business and running a business and working with people and having a network and, you know, getting yourself out there and kind of fostering new relationships. Um, so sports, I feel like set me up well to be able to you know, build out my network and build out a business, but also kind of keep within my personality traits. Um, I do think it's kind of ironic running a startup business when someone who likes to be very structured is the person doing it, but there's always yings and yangs and people with strengths and weaknesses. And that's with the other company that I worked for. Um, my other partner, he was a very like type B and we kind of balanced each other out super well in that regard with getting things done. So I'm, I'm currently building out my small team and I have a great group of people that bring in, you know, kind of their other strengths and weaknesses too, uh, that we're all somehow sports affiliated because I think if you play sports, you just naturally attain a lot of different qualities and traits, um, to bring along with you. But yeah, it's turning into a very cohesive group, which is great. That's awesome. 
so Abby, what other habits, um, have you brought over from, uh, being an athlete to being a business owner and an, and an entrepreneur, um, or what new habits have you adopted? Yeah. So I think, um, one of the main things that's transferred directly over is having goals and goal setting. Uh, goal setting was huge for me, uh, with swimming. Obviously the, the biggest goal of mine was to make the Olympic team. Um, but that was kind of the long-term end all goal. And then there was little mini more short-term goals. I always thought of it as a ladder. So steps that I needed to check off in order to be able to get to that final final goal. Um, so that's definitely been something with the business that's direct, directly translated over and has been super helpful. Uh, it's funny to me because like sports, I do think teach people how to goal set. Um, but also now being, you know, in the world with people that may never have grown up doing sports or the, you know, they were more musical or artistic. Uh, I never really knew that you, sometimes you had to be taught that in order to know it. Um, just because it's something I've always known. So I think for me, um, getting out of the swimming world in a sense, um, and working with people of all different personalities and, um, strength and weaknesses, as I was saying, has been very eye-opening to understand, um, more of how everybody else operates. And I was around a lot of people that operated a lot like me. Uh, and so being out of a swim team and, um, going out into like the real business world. Um, not everyone does that. So one of the, one of the other things that was something that I've adopted that's been new has been staying in the present. Um, cause I think a lot of times with swimming, we were always kind of more future focused and with those goals in mind, you're very like always thinking about tomorrow or the next day or the next meet and it, it never really leaves your brain. And so there's like a, there's actually a high amount of, um, mental health, in the swimming world now and the news that people are just talking about with swimmers, um, because you spend so much time with your head underwater and you're so much involved in your own thoughts that a lot of times they don't know how to kind of facilitate good conversations and converse and be healthy, um, even during the sport or after the sport. So one of the main things that I've had to do with, um, myself is, uh, be more mindful and so I've adopted some yoga practices. Um, there's been a lot of like introspection I've done. I do, you know, daily journaling, uh, and I do a morning meditation every morning to kind of put myself more so in the present. I mean, obviously I want to work towards my goals and I want to make sure that I'm moving forward and, uh, making progress. Um, but sometimes that progress is not uh, as analytical as it was from the pool. And sometimes you can't see it. And that's something that I've had to, um, slowly over time become more okay with, uh, cause I'm just not used to it. So those practices have helped me, um, just stay calm and be able to work under pressure. Almost I could argue better than when I was not doing them and I was swimming and I kind of thought I had everything under control. Hmm. So, I mean, so you kind of hinted at it, but what other, like what other benefits have you seen? Like, it sounds like your swimming has improved since, you know, starting meditation and journaling and things like that. But mm -hmm. I mean, talk, can you talk a little bit more about that transformation that you've seen and, and like tangible results? Yeah, I, well, I feel like I'm actually way more aware. So that's the first big kind of revolution in it. I guess for someone, if I were to listen to this podcast and I was me, you know, 10 years ago, I would have been like, well, I'm aware, like, what is she talking about? Um, but it's more like of a general self-awareness, kind of like a body scan, a mental scan where you're just way more in tune with yourself than you at the moment ever really thought you could be. Uh, and so that's been super helpful. Um, there's definitely things that I know that I need to do as far as like, you know, from general muscle stretches to make my body feel good um, to how I eat, uh, which is just way more in line with an overall feeling healthier um, kind of overarching like umbrella. Uh, like for example, when I was swimming, I, you know, cared about my nutrition. I didn't eat candy. I kind of, you know, did all the things that they said you shouldn't do. Um, but there was never really a comprehension of why. And now I understand the whys. And I also look at, you know, my relationship with, you know, food and sleep as helping me feel better and be at my healthiest versions of myself, not for, you know, a certain outcome or for this or for that, or because I should or shouldn't do it. It's more like, you know, if for some reason I eat, ice cream, I'm lactose intolerant. That doesn't make my stomach 
feel very good. But when I was swimming, I didn't even have the awareness that I was lactose intolerant. So I ate ice cream. Um, and so it's, it's been more just like a, opening up the ability to be more mindful with myself because of these practices that I didn't even know that that was to be quite honest possible. Yeah. I'm kind of envisioning you as like this, um, like before this awareness, you're just like everybody else. And then after this awareness, it's kind of like you're superhuman, like x-ray vision, like, like mm-hmm. you can just totally like do a body scan or like feel how different foods or, um, even probably different people feel energetically to you and how it affects you. Mm-hmm. Um, everything kind of seems like it's an HD uh, as opposed to maybe black and white before. Is that is that kind of a good analogy or would you make any changes to that? No, I think that it makes uh, a lot of sense. I definitely feel like I am just way more in tune with my, my internal self and my external self that it's helped me, you know, be just a better, better version of me. So that way I'm just, I'm more efficient. And I think before there was always results and reasons on why I was doing things. So it was very externally motivated to achieve things. Um, whereas now I'm trying to be, you know, internally motivated and stay in tune uh, as much as I can, because obviously things come up and down and, you know, life happens, but, uh, it has just allowed me to kind of have a reset in a moment and to understand more of my whys, um, that my whys don't necessarily have to be, you know, achievable accomplishments that everybody sees, you know, a lot of this stuff that we're talking about, you know, you may not see it even if you are in my network. Um, but it's something that I know has happened and I have that, you know, x-ray vision, as you were saying now, um, that I didn't have before. Yeah, that's really cool. And it and it's important to to give yourself wins for those even though they're not like visible results that other people are cheering you on for. I mean, how does that really play in? I mean, you've you've been this athlete um swimming as an individual and a team sport and um I mean, how much do you have to keep yourself motivated and how do you keep yourself motivated? Yeah. So one thing that I've um, definitely been aware of is that I'm, I was and have been very externally motivated. Um, and I was always just wanting to achieve things, you know, whether it be of a certain status or this, that, and the other. And now, because I've kind of changed and shifted my viewpoint inwards, um, it's actually one of the main things that is, can get very frustrating to me is that sometimes, you know, I see my progress or someone, you know, may see my progress, but I don't always see it over time. And for someone like me, that can get frustrating. So one of the things that I do do is um, make sure I journal and kind of keep track of things and take notes and kind of note where I am um, versus going, you know, weeks or months, just kind of being, you know, aware, but not necessarily having some sort of ability to look back and stay like on this date, I was feeling X way. Uh, And so that's been that's been super helpful. And, um, I do see uh, a therapist. I go once a week who is, she's awesome. She's a counselor and she just helps me kind of sort through more of my internal feelings and thoughts. And she's also a great kind of like metronome that's consistent in my life. Um, so she'll bring up things as well to kind of make sure I'm on my own path. Uh, I think it's kind of one of those double-edged swords. If you're super highly driven, uh, you can also be one of those people that's first to be frustrated. Um, and so it's kind of good to have those people that are in your life that are stand, um, stand tall pillars, uh, that will be there, you know, no matter what's happening or what you're thinking, what you think is happening. Yeah, I love that. I mean, for type A or super achievers, we can tend to be very externally motivated. In fact, I would say, I mean, I heard a stat once, I don't know how accurate it is, you know, how stats (laughs) go, but like 80% of people are extrinsically motivated and only 20% are intrinsically motivated. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, you know, achievers would definitely fall into that extrinsic for the most part because they're motivated by that trophy or by that money or by growing their business or seeing the impact. But sometimes, like you said, you can't you can't see that because it's like you seeing yourself in the mirror every day. You don't notice you're getting older <laughs> as much as like 
if you were to run into your high school buddy from, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago, they'd be like, wow, you've aged. <laughs> they wouldn't <laughs> say it out loud. But yeah, it, it's, that's such a good practice to be writing in your journal and noting your, your wins, but also, you know, the challenges so that you can see how far you've progressed. That's super important. And it's definitely like a difficult habit to start and to stick with. Yes. But when you know how you operate and how you're wired and how this is like a gift to your future self, Mm -hmm. um, it can help you stick with it. Um, that's really, really cool. And then you mentioned meditation. Do you have any favorite meditation apps that you use or do you do guided meditation or do you do it like, like self-guided? Yeah, I do a little bit of both. Um, I use the app Insight Timer if I'm going to use and listen to like a guided meditation. Um, And sometimes I'll do kind of a combination like of guided and self even on a given day. Like this morning, I listened to a 10 minute guided meditation that kind of, you know, sits me, calms me down, um, gives me some things to think about. And then from there, I may go into like five or 10 minutes um, of my own kind of self-control thinking about my breathing. Uh, so it, it varies. Um, I know some people prefer maybe non-guided or self. I, I kind of do well with having something set the tone, uh, or do better with something set the tone. And then from there kind of get into the right mindset. Um, but the goal is to just meditate. Like basically as soon as I get up, uh, I meditate for about 20 minutes and, um, yeah, just kind of set my day, set the intention, uh, make sure I'm aware of what I need to get done. Uh, and give myself that time uh, to make sure that I have the ability to do that in the morning. And it does get hard. I travel a lot for work. Um, but one of the things that's been interesting since I've kind of implemented meditation into my daily morning routine um, is taking that no matter where I am. So it's kind of like, once again, saying like, you know, therapist is kind of that standstill weekly pillar, but the the meditation daily is also like another pillar that I have in my life that it doesn't matter if I'm sitting at my house, I'm on a travel trip, you know, to California, or I'm over in Europe working with national team athletes, like the person that wakes up, you know, is still the person that's there. And it just allows me to kind of like recalibrate myself and get ready no matter what externally is moving around me. And that for me has been um, super great to see the consistency that you have just because like I do like routines and I do like consistency, um, even though my external is moving at a pretty fast rate. Yeah, that's great. Well, I want to dive a little into um, when you decided to retire early from the sport of swimming. Now, the reason why I want to get into this is because I think that as entrepreneurs and CEOs, whether it's in life or business, there's always this point where everything is going great. And then all of a sudden it's not. Yeah. And you've got to make tough choices or maybe the choice gets made for you Mm -hmm. and how, how you cope with that, you know, and how do you get through the other side and how do you reinvent yourself? Mm -hmm. So I want, I want you to talk a little bit about that experience that you had about retiring early. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you hit (laughs) a lot of nails on the head with that whole kind of process. Um, for me, uh, I never thought I would have retired early. Um, I kind of never thought I wouldn't have made the Olympic team. There was a lot of things that when you're riding those highs or you having those highs happen, um, you're kind of in this cloud, you know, not like a la-la land, but it's it's a world where th- the reality of sometimes life can't really show in its light through. Um, and then when it does even if it's nothing like, you know, kind of earth shattering or like a retirement, like we're talking about, it can feel like that. Um, so for me with swimming, uh, I was, I got really fast when I was very young. Um, I thought I was very mature at the time and I mentally could handle kind of the, you know, increase in, um, awareness of people knowing who I was plus like, social media and all these other things, um, that I was like, I got it, you know, mom and dad, I'm fine. I'm this, I'm that. But slowly that pressure over time was kind of like a weight that got heavier on my back. Um, and so when I got to college, I was at a point where I was really ready for a change in environment. And I was very excited, um, to be swimming. I swim at the university of Georgia and, uh, it was a division one school. They'd won they compete for the national title every year. So it was all in all 
kind of like the great setup for hopefully the Olympic team, um, achievement. And yeah, I, uh, I slowly over time over those four years, uh, just my, my, my mental mindset like degraded and it degraded even though I had that itch and acknowledgement and knowing that like something wasn't quite right. I just really wasn't, I, I, my ego almost got in the way from admitting the fact that like, I knew that something was going to happen. I just didn't really know when. And so a couple things transpired with just some logistical stuff, um, on the team. And one year I had qualified for NCAA team, which is for the big national team title, uh, swim meet. And we had actually overqualified for people on our team, which is a great problem to have when you're, um, the coach of the team, but someone had to be left behind. And once again, I never thought that person was going to be me. Um, and I was the one that received the phone call. And that to me at that moment was a pretty earth shattering feeling, uh, just cause you're, you know, work so hard and work so long. And I was actually packed. I had just finished packing my suitcase and we were leaving the next morning. Um, and getting that call was pretty much like, well, what did I do all this, you know, work for? Um, so it kind of brought me down, uh, and it brought me to, um, kind of my knees in a sense where I had to really reevaluate and understand, you know, what my love and passion for swimming really was. Uh, cause I think over time that wasn't really what was highlighting why I liked swimming. A lot of other things was, um, and yeah, I ended up going through a pretty dark year after that. And then my junior year, I ended up, um, back in shape. I got my head back on my shoulders. I was seeing a sports psychologist. I was really happy with the improvements I was making. I ended up making that team again. Um, but this one was out of my control and I, uh, ended up getting appendicitis a couple days before we left for that meet. Um, and so my appendix ended up bursting and I was in the hospital. Um, and I remember my same coach coming in, uh, basically saying like, you know, kid, we got to make a decision. Um, do you think you can swim? And, you know, with my stomach being distended and my appendix just being taken out, I'm like, of course not, but thank you for letting me say that. Um, and yeah, so after that, I once again kind of was thrown back down and this time I was thrown back down with different reasons. Um, and I really wasn't in a place where I felt like I could continue to give the team what it deserved. Um, I didn't really feel worth it. I kind of, you know, all of this stuff had wrapped up my self-worth and um, my meaning and what I brought to really living was involved with my swimming accomplishments, which was all kind of like twisted and warped. And um, yeah, I ended up just uh, saying that I needed to be done. Um, and at that time, the person that said that is a very different person than I am now. Um, I was in much more negative place. And the ironic part of all of it is the coaching aspect or starting to coach is actually kind of what pulled me out of it. Um, I was very upset with my swimming career. I was very upset just with life in general. And, you know, I learned a lot about uncontrollables in a very quick sense. And, um, yeah, one of my friends was like, well, you know, you should maybe try coaching, you know, where we got this part-time job, you're in grad school, you know, maybe give it a chance. And I was like, no way, no, no way. And then slowly over time, uh, I started coming once a week, twice a week, three times a week. And I was watching these young, you know, little eight, nine, 10 year olds flying into the swimming pool with their goggles already on, you know, they have like mesh bags that are down to their ankles. And, um, they're just so excited to be at swim practice that I realized like my love and my passion, all this stuff for the sport had kind of gotten like convoluted through all these other things, but it was still there and it was still burning. And so, yeah, this transformation in my attitude and just even this transformation of understanding that my career, yes, didn't happen the way that I wanted it to, but I actually don't think if my career ended any other way that I would end up doing what I'm doing now. So there's, there is always a silver lining to everything. It's just sometimes in those moments when, uh, you know, things come crashing down or you really don't know what's happening or why it's happening. You may not know for a while, but there's, there's kind of always a reason to that. Yeah, totally true. And, um, making that decision to throw in the towel, you know, is, is hard because we are always taught, you know, never give up, you know, that's what society tells us. And, um, and when, when life throws a bunch of punches in, in your face, you've got to make that decision. Like, okay, is life trying to teach me something? Is life trying to tell me, Hey, it's time to move on and, and reinvent myself or become something new. Or is it like, 
you know, just good old adversity in my way and I need to battle through it. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's hindsight's always 2020. So, um, you're, you're super young, you're 29 and, um, and, you know, and maybe enough time has passed. I'm not sure you'll, you tell me, but like, what, how do you think this has really transformed your life? I mean, obviously you're a coach, you're in a business, mm. you probably wouldn't be doing that otherwise, but like, um, more on an internal level or, and, and you can talk about external too, but like, how has this really shifted your, your mindset, your attitude, just like your, your soul, your purpose, your passion, mm. like how has this experience, this retiring early really shaped, shaped your life? Yeah, well, definitely. Um, there's a connotation of throwing in the towel and giving up that in sports, you know, that's, there's always a negative correlation to that. Um, so for someone who always believed that it was really hard for me to understand that doing that was a good thing. And it took me quite a while to understand that, you know, it's not giving up, um, it's moving forward. And for me at that time, it's almost like if I look at my swimming career, it's still hard. Like it's not something that I would say, um, you know, if we did this podcast maybe six, seven years ago, I probably would try to like skirt around the subject that I retired early because it was something I was ashamed about. Um, but now it's like, I look at my swimming career, I look at all the opportunities, even within my coaching career that I've gotten just because I swam at a division one college. That was great. Um, that they all kind of make more sense. So like slowly over time, it's become less of a a negative thing and more of me understanding that was, that was me choosing me in that moment. And for someone who's always externally or had been always externally motivated, it's hard to reach that internal reflection and understand where your internal clock is um, and where it's pointing and where that compass was pointing. But when I had the conversation with my coach about retiring, he gave me the option. He said, you know, kid, I've recruited you. You've got a lot of talent. You have one more year left. Um, he's like, but I need you to be 110% every day. Can you be 110% every day? And me flipping into my own brain was like, could I? And the automatic answer, kind of that internal, um, voice that we all have was screaming, no. Um, And whether that was like super emotional or not, that was still the answer. And so at that, you know, moment, I was like, I can't, like, I'm, I'm maybe hovering at 30%. So that's, what's been really interesting as far as like the mindfulness and even just becoming more internally aware of where I'm at, um, is, has been a big transformation, uh, for me to just make sure that I'm staying in line with what the inside of me is saying. Cause sports does do tell you to continue and push through and you're going to deal with adversity and that's okay. And it's the triumphs over tragedies, you know, kind of big news articles that we read that people think that you should just keep grinding. And obviously you need to grind in some senses to be successful, but there's also a time and place to say, Hey, like this isn't working. Let me try something else. Um, and so that was a, a huge learning curve for me to understand that it doesn't necessarily have to be negative. Um, you know, it's kind of how you look at it. And, um, with that, I would say too, that, um, for like the soul and the life purpose and the mission, like, I do feel like a lot of what I dealt with in college and then even post-college with, you know, personal dynamics and family dynamics, I learned a lot of things about life in a very short period of time. Whereas before, you know, all I really thought about was swimming and swimming went well. And so my life was good. Um, but you know, as your parents get older and grandparents get older, things happen and life happens. And, um, I just never really dealt with any of that stuff. And so I feel like getting out of swimming has kind of allowed me to grow as a person way more than I was when I was going to a pool every day. And pretty much only really thinking about that. Uh, and so it's, it's been good and it's given me moments to, uh, reflect and figure out that like my, my life mission and what I've always enjoyed. And one of the main things I loved about swimming was I was on a team. I was with people that were really wanting to achieve high goals. And I also could help other people achieve their goals. And a lot of my greatest swimming memories are not swimming memories of my own swimming. They're actually swimming memories of watching some of my best friends swim which 
at the time I was like, you know, maybe aware of it, but very in a very minute, small scale. And now with coaching, it makes so much sense because it's like, well, that's why you love coaching, Abby, is because you actually loved helping others get faster even when you were on the team. So I think just having the ability to step back and um, kind of get some perspective has allowed me to just know more about myself and understand like where I want my life work to take me and like what kind of person I want to be and how I want to treat others and, you know, what I I really want to do with my life. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I want to share a little bit too, like from my own life, um, mm-hmm. because I so relate to this. I, I also have been an athlete, um, not to the extent that you did. I didn't move past high school, but I was on a state team and I learned a lot of the same things. And, um, I would consider myself very much a super achiever, straight A's, like all that through school. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I also was very extrinsically motivated. And, um, whenever someone would tell me, oh, you know, you, you, you need to meditate or something you need, I think you would benefit from yoga or, you know, like <laughs> well-meaning friends. And I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> Time for that. Yeah. You know? And, um, life has a funny way of, um, if, if, if you're not, uh, willing to <laughs> do things sometimes that are for your best interests, uh, mm-hmm. sometimes life, the universe can, can actually compel you to, <laughs> to, to do what, uh, is best for you. And in my case, it was like really learning how to slow down and to really, um, take my focus off of the external, off of the, you know, um, you know, striving for mm-hmm. more money, more, more things to fill my house, faster cars, mm-hmm. um, more recognition, um, you know, achievement, achievement, achievement. And, um, when it, you know, my husband and I had, had, um, this is a, a few years ago, we had, been married at the time for, I would say six, seven years. And Mm -hmm. we really thought, Hey, maybe this is the time to start having children. And well, that was the one thing that for some reason I couldn't accomplish. I couldn't achieve. Mm -hmm. Um, I had no control over it. Um, we, we went through after that seven years of infertility Mm -hmm. struggles, trying everything from Western medicine to then starting to dabble in Eastern philosophies and acupuncture. And that's when I finally came full circle and was like, okay, meditation, yoga, <laughs> like <laughs> there might be something to this. Yeah. And so, you know, that, that whole experience, um, really taught me to slow down. And, um, eventually we did, we, we were successful. We, um, did IVF and we have two beautiful girls. And, um, it also, um, I also gave birth to another, another business, so to speak. Um, you know, I've always had my marketing consulting, consulting business. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really wanted to create something that I was really, really passionate about. And, um, so we started Epic Matcha, which is an organic matcha company. Um, we export out of Japan and also China. And I really wanted to share, you know, some of these philosophies that I've learned about meditating and the magic of morning rituals and things like that. And so I just want to really confirm and validate, you know, your experience as well. I mean, I've had other experiences like where, you know, life just tells you, you got to get a realigned, (laughs) you know, you're out of alignment a little bit here Mm. and, um, let's kind of move you more onto this course. Right. And, and, um, because, you know, this life, you know, depending on your beliefs, Mm -hmm. it's, it's all about, you know, progression and all about, you know, becoming 
a better person. And, and especially people listening to this podcast who are all about personal growth. I mean, that, that is sure to resonate. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sometimes we make the change ourselves and sometimes we're forced to look at that change. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, this is, this is the cycle of life. It's like, you've got, you know, spring, summer, fall, winter, and, um, you know, winter is like that death cycle, something coming to a close. Mm-hmm. And then after winter is, is spring, something new coming up and becoming something new again. And so, um, yeah, I just, I want to, um, just really acknowledge you and your experience of, um, you know, going through that, you know, something you were super, super passionate about you're still able to do swimming. It's just in a different way and probably in a way where you can have more of a ripple effect because you're influencing other people. And there I go with a pun. Um, (laughs) Speaking of which your last name is fish. I can't help. (laughs) I can't help. um, But notice the, the funny sense of humor the universe has about uh, (laughs) sometimes we end up with uh, names that uh, (laughs) go with, what our, our passion is and everything, but yeah. Um, I'll just give you a couple of minutes to respond to that. I've been talking, but yeah, yeah, no, I do think, I mean, throughout my whole life, the last name of fish has come up in so many different capacities. Um, and from people saying, is that really your last name too? You've really had to change that for that to be your last name, but it is truly my last name. Um, and yeah, I do believe that there, the universe has a sense of humor, and uh, sometimes it comes out in funnier ways than others. And this one is one of those that it's a, it's a great pun. It's my business is called swim like a fish and I put a period after the a, so it's kind of like my name just, Oh yeah. Abby fish. <laughs> Keep it there. <laughs> yeah. You, truth is stranger than fiction, right? You, see, yeah. you can't make this up. <laughs> yeah. So it was, uh, it's, it's, it kind of like, you know, a lot of things I feel like make sense and you know, there's probably a lot of things right now that I feel like don't quite make sense. And then, you know, when I get some perspective or some time, that's where you'll be able to reflect on things. But I totally hear you on kind of those life-changing moments. And I think, you know, in order to gain that awareness sometimes, or even understand that you need it, uh, a lot of times people have to go through some adversity or something pretty hard. And, um, you know, with infertility, I have a brother and sister right now who are dealing with that. Um, I mean, brother and sister-in-law and, um, yeah, I mean, I've never dealt with that. I don't know what that would feel like, but I do understand what it's like to be in a situation where you don't have control and that mm-hmm. no one ever likes that no matter what type of personality you have. So, mm-hmm. um, that's obviously kind of was your resetting moment. Was it a mm-hmm. fun resetting moment? Probably absolutely not. No. Um, but on the flip side, you know, you have two beautiful girls and it, you know, it, it worked out in a sense. Yeah. And when you can get to the perspective of you're grateful for it all, you know, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't have it any other way. You wouldn't go back and change things, even though at one point you might've had regret, but when you can really get to that place of peace Mm -hmm. and understanding and like, this is for my, my good, this is for my betterment. Mm -hmm. This is for the betterment of the planet. Like I'm a different person. And I don't even know what the kind of person I would have been had it been different. It's like that movie sliding doors with Gwyneth Paltrow Mm -hmm. in one version, she misses the train. The other version, she gets on the train and you see how that plays out during the movie. It's like, you know, I feel like, um, you know, when you can get to that place of peace and, you know, like forgiveness of yourself and like Mm -hmm. situations and really look back with gratitude, like that's that that's when, you know, you're healed. Like you, you've, you've gotten that, um, that, that healing from that experience. And this is, this is life's journey and everyone's journey is different. And it's like, you know, even you you mentioned, um, your family members that are going through infertility. It's like, take any situation. Like I, I got super sensitive because people would be like, Oh, I've been through that. And this is what you need to do. Or, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, uh, I totally know what you're going through. (laughs) I'm like, no, you don't like everyone is so different. And just Mm. also being super sensitive 
And, you know, like what would have not helped me at that point was like, oh, you know, things are going to turn out. You'll eventually have kids or whatever. It's like, you mm-hmm. don't know that. <laughs> like, You just don't know that. And like, yeah, it's just when people are going through that like dark night of the soul, it's like you totally want to help them. You totally want to like play some kind of superhero role. And that's just not what they need. It's like, they've got to come to that own, their own version of them finding that inner hero within themselves, um, Mm. that can swoop in and save the day. And it like some, it's sometimes it takes a year, like in your case, you Mm -hmm. know, um, I can't say that every single day of the seven years was dark. Like we had some great travels and things like that. And we made good use of that time. Um, but there were some, definitely some, some nights and some struggles. It's like you pay all this money and then you're not pregnant, you know, or whatever it is. And Mm -hmm. you can liken this to anything in business too. It's like, you know, you, you're, you're trying to turn a situation around, you pay a bunch bunch of money to somebody Mm -hmm. and then it doesn't work out or, or whatever it is, you know, you hire someone, it doesn't work out. I mean, there's tons of ways that you can, you know, apply this to any situation that you're in. And, um, that's, what's so cool about the human experience, I think is because we can learn from each other no matter, you know, if the details of our experience match or not, it's like, there's always something to learn and to, um, glean from someone else's journey, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that, that hero's journey that we all go through, um, that mm-hmm. every single movie ever, ever made, well, any good movie for that matter ever made has followed <laughs> mm-hmm. this, this unconscious story that we are all living in our own way, billions mm-hmm. of people on this planet. So yeah. Um, well, Abby, how can people learn more about you, um, and, and your company? Yeah, well, we have a website. It's swimlikeafish.org. Um, I'm also on all social media platforms. Um, I'd say the most predominant for me are Facebook and Instagram. Uh, so Instagram handle is the T-H-E, a fish one. And then my Facebook page is just facebook.com, but it's uh, they didn't have swim like a fish. So it's actually slash fish swim faster. Awesome. Thank you. And I'll put those links in the show notes. And then what final thought or, um, you know, message would you like to leave with our audience here today? Yeah, I think I, it was kind of like what was resonating with what you were just saying. Um, I think there's definitely that power of connection that you're talking about. And sometimes, you know, when you're in a darker place, you don't really want to connect with people or you don't really want to hear, oh, you know, I was in your shoes 20 years ago. Um, But there's something to be heard through everyone's story um, and, you know, everyone's journey. Um, There's maybe a tidbit, maybe it's not a big aha moment or that light bulb moment that you need at the time. Um, But I think, you know, that's probably why people are listening to this podcast. They're looking for maybe a little morsel of something that may help them in some way. Um, you know, and your podcast is interesting because it's the inner game of business, but it doesn't really specify what kind of business. And so I, I talked a lot about sports and, you know, you may talk to someone who works for a fortune 500 company or the Forbes 40 list, um, which is a very different avenue than what I come through, but kind of at the end of the day, we all go through very similar overarching things and we can all learn from each other and, Um, you know, even with me sitting here, you know, technically being interviewed by you, you know, for an hour, I learned a lot about you and your life and what you've gone through, uh, to relate to you on a different level. And I just think that that's absolutely awesome. And that part of life, um, you know, we should continue to foster and, um, you know, learn from, and I think that, you know, stuff like this and technology just makes that easier. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, as connected as technology has made us in a lot of ways, it's made us more disconnected from mm-hmm. each other. And I totally agree a hundred percent. It's, it's that the, the thing that really shifted for me going through that situation was, um, reaching out 
for help. It's such a taboo thing to even talk about. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's like someone going through, uh, you know, health crisis of some sort, or even an emotional crisis. It's like hard to talk about it or want to relate to each other, but that's, that's exactly what helped me shift my mindset is, is kind of like doing the thing that I didn't want to do, which Mm -hmm. was, you know, sharing with people what we were going through, asking them, you know, to pray, to, you know, keep us, however their beliefs were like, keep us in their thoughts, like, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. And, um, and so, yeah, that's, that's wonderful. So what's, what's the, number one piece of advice that you would give to, um, an aspiring entrepreneur, aspiring, um, athlete, um, maybe even someone who's been at it for a long, long time. Like what's the biggest piece of advice that you could pass on, um, from your, from your life thus far? Um, it's kind of twofolded, but I would say that, um, that don't, don't believe that the people that have made it or the people that you look to um, that have done it or you think have achieved it never, you know, never ever thought that they wouldn't. You know, I think a lot of times we idolize people. Social media allows that to happen kind of at a way deeper level than maybe before. But um, I think a lot of times younger generation, especially the kids that I work with and even coach, um, they believe that, you know, you always have to be a hundred percent you're always perfect. And you're gonna, you would only achieve it if you follow like this straight path and everyone who's ever made it are people that I would coin people, um, that, you know, the, um, on the Olympic team where I looked to did have doubts and they did have reasons that they didn't think that they were good enough. Um, but it's working through those and overcoming those, um, that, you know, they ended up achieving what they did. Uh, so that is definitely a piece of advice I would give to entrepreneurs is like a lot of times people don't think it's possible. And then when it starts happening or they put that one foot forward, it's almost like the possibility is right at your footsteps. And I think for me with the online space and the virtual space and like not even really learning how to market yourself in college or in like structured educational settings to keep up with the, you know, the pace of technology you do have to be kind of self-motivated to learn how to work virtually, but everyone can do it. Um, and I think a lot of times we feel that fear of failing runs so heavily throughout cultures, societies, generations that people don't take that first step. And I just think that, you know, everyone needs to hear that you can, and you can do it. I hope you loved today's episode. And if you did, please subscribe and leave a like, comment, and or review. Every interaction, whether on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform, helps this podcast to reach more people like you. Thank you for tuning in to the Higher Genius Podcast.